You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit stonegate-church.com. Okay, it's great to see you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to be camping today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, so if you were here last week, you know that we started a new set of sermons last week uh, called Gospel Plus Mission, where we're trying to connect this idea of when the gospel is planted in your heart, it works itself out in your life. That, that the gospel planted in you moves you to the mission of God. This is the idea, that the gospel and the mission of God are connected. You don't have one without the other. When the gospel lands on you, it propels you to mission. So, I mean, we've, we've, we've said it kind of this way, that a missionary God creates a missionary people. That when God saves you, he also sends you. When, when you hear the gospel and respond in faith, kind of the next piece of that is the gospel then makes you a herald. So we're now you're heralding the gospel and you're proclaiming the gospel. So this is the idea. We're trying to connect this idea of the gospel planted in you, lead you to the mission. Okay, now last, uh, last week we just tried to take step one in this journey together. We're going to be here for the next about month and a half, something like that. So it was step one last week, and here was the goal really of last week. We just wanted to pose the problem. We just wanted to be able to, to clarify and expose what the problem is. And this is essentially what we said last week. The problem is that the people of God are not on the mission of God. There is a disconnect between the people of God and the mission of God. Okay, now we, we tried to take that on a personal level and say this. And I, and I, I'll preface this again, using general terms, I hope you're the exception to the rule. But, but we as churches, just like this, the, the church of God, people just like you sitting in pews, just like, the, or chairs, just like this, I mean, us, we're, we're not on the mission of God. The competing missions have come in and uprooted the central mission, the mission of God in our life. And it's uprooted with these peripheral and kind of secondary issues. So now we're centered on secondary things, not the primary thing. And so last week, we just tried to to ask really three or four questions to kind of move into this and to kind of show this, the reality of this. One question went like this. Have you ever had, if you're a Christian in here, have you ever had the joyful experience of God using the display of your life, your life displaying the gospel and your lips declaring the gospel, not some, not a preacher's lips, not a pastor's lips, but your lips. Have you ever had the joyful experience of watching God use your life and your lips for the salvation of a neighbor, of a friend, of a coworker? And, and here's the problem. That is non-existent in the life of most churchgoers. If we were to go around the room, statistics you know, would, would tell us that in a room like this, there might be one or two in a room like this that would answer yes to that. Okay, so we, we press a little bit further. We, then we ask this question. When is the last time, let's just say maybe the last month, in the last month have you spoken out, out of your lips, where your lips are declaring the gospel, have you spoken the gospel to people that don't know Jesus? And, and we tried to be gracious last week, right? We'll say two months, three months, six months. I mean, just tell me how much you want, right? And, and it's basically non-existent. And, and I'm just talking about people that come in and out just like, just like this. It's non-existent. Okay, we press a little bit further. When is the last time you've had someone into your home that doesn't know Jesus? Maybe to share a meal with your family. Last month, last two months, six months. Where you are, when you're, you're inviting them into your life for you to know them, for them to know you, for you to know their people, for, for them to know your people. 
And, and so here's what we, we were just trying to show last week. is one of the reasons we don't speak the gospel to people who don't know Jesus is because we really don't know people who don't know Jesus, right? The, I mean, it's not like you don't know their names, like you, you work, but it's like you don't know them on a inside the home, let me open up my life to you. you. We don't know people like that, right? Okay, then we pressed it one step further and just asked this question. Do you pray for people who don't know Jesus consistently? Like, do you have one or two people that you are pleading to God on behalf of? I, this is one of the questions we ask in, in all of our kind of our membership interview at the end of the process to become a Stonegate, you know, part of the Stonegate family. We ask that question. You know, do you have a couple of people that, that you're praying for, pleading with God to save? And you know what we find? Very few people do. I mean, this, this is the typical. Um, give me a second to think about that, right? Like they're having to flip through the Rolodex to find a name or two, right? And, and so this is the problem. This, this is what we're trying to expose. This is the gap between what the gospel is in us and how it's looking and how it's um, manifesting itself in our life. So we're saying that there's a problem here. The problem is the people of God aren't on the mission of God. Okay, so with that said, we're going to take the next step today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. <coughs> Paul says this. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So, so here's one of the first things Paul is just highlighting in this passage. That the God of the scriptures, right? This is the God that you see throughout the Bible. This is the God that the Bible speaks of. The God that the Bible reveals. He is a missionary God. This is the first thing, Paul's just raising the awareness of this, that it is God who is reconciling things to himself. That the God is up to something. When, when, you're, when you look at and read about this God of the Bible, you see that God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has something that he's moving toward, working toward. God is taking everything somewhere. God is working in this thing for an end. God is a missionary God, right? He, he is moving somewhere. Like this is where Ephesians talks about the mission of God in these terms. Ephesians 1.10 says that, that what God is doing is he is reconciling all things to himself. This is the mission of God. He is on a reconciliation mission. Reconciling all things to himself. And this is what Paul is showing us here. That the people of God now, that are the mission of God, it is God reconciling people to himself through Christ. This is what God is up to. This is what God is doing. This is the mission of God. Okay, now, to take a wider view of the scriptures here. When you just start reading from Genesis on to Revelation, you see this missionary God revealed, right? Right at the very get-go, Genesis 1, 2, 3. God creates. People rebel, Genesis chapter 3. And then you know what's really interesting is, is people rebelled. They, they decided to set up their own rule, their own reign. They stiff-armed God and wanted to be God in his place. And you know the, God's response to that? Genesis 3.9. He, here's what he said. Next, right after they did that, his next phrase is, Adam, where are you? This is missionary language coming out here. He is on the pursuit. He is going after. He is living as a sent God. So, okay, now you just keep kind of working the, the, the Bible forward here. In Genesis chapter 4, you've got Cain that slaughters his brother Abel. Here's the next phrase that God throws out after that. Cain, where's your brother Abel? See, he comes to Cain. He, he goes after Cain. He doesn't leave Cain there. He is on a mission of reconciliation. He goes after. Okay, in Genesis chapter 12, you've got God coming to, to Abraham. 
God comes. And I just see this. This is God approaching. God moving toward. So, so God the missionary. God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I've chosen you. I'm going to bless you. And here's why. And you see this missionary impulse of God. Because I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to all the peoples of the, wor- of the, of the earth. This is, you see this missionary impulse here. Moving forward in the, in the book of Exodus. God has called and chosen a people for himself, the Israelite people. And in Exodus 19, he tells them what he's going to do with them. That I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. A holy nation. He's saying this. What, what does a priest do? A priest is somebody who takes the hand of God and the hand of people and they join them together. Priests are reconciled. That's missionary language. He is saying that I'm going to use you to display me to the nations and to declare me to the nations. This is your job. This is what I'm using you for. This is why I have chosen you. You see this missionary impulse when you get to the prophets. Okay, you've got all these prophets in the Old Testament from Isaiah to Jeremiah, all these prophets. And you see this missionary impulse come out in them. They are God's spokesmen. And then this is what Isaiah is going to say in Isaiah uh, chapter 45. He's going to look at the nations and he's going to say this, return to me and be saved. Come to me and be saved in verse 22. And then he uses this. It's not just the people of Israel. He says this, to the ends of the earth, come to me and be saved. I am God and there is no other. See, this is the missionary God of the scriptures. He has a mission. He is reconciling all things to himself. Then when you get to the New Testament, you see this climatic event in human history, right? The sending of Jesus, a missionary God, God the Father, sends his son, John 1.14, to dwell among us. Okay, this is the idea. Jesus is your model missionary, right? When you look at Jesus, you ought to think missionary Jesus, that, that's, he's got a mission. He's, he's on, um, he, he's working in a plan here. He's on the mission of God the Father. Okay, now just l- working through the life of Jesus here, you've got him carrying out the mission to reconcile all things to himself. So here's what we know about Jesus, that he died an undeserving death in place of your deserving death. So all of this wrath of God aimed at people. There's not peace there. All this wrath of God aimed at us was directed at Jesus. Like maybe you could think of this as maybe one whiteboard of the gospel. If you consider a whiteboard and we were to put on this whiteboard your name and all of your sinful tendencies and beliefs and actions. I mean, we just started listing them, right? That would be a long day for us, wouldn't it, right? I mean, there's a lot there. Okay, now think about this is one side of the gospel. Jesus dies an undeserving death in place of your deserving death. So on the cross, your whole whiteboard full of stuff is stacked on Jesus. But he, it's, it's more than that. He also lived a perfect life in place of your imperfect life. So it's not just you've got a clean slate now. Think about whiteboard number two. If we were to put whiteboard number two up here and, and put Jesus at the top of it and say, let's just start naming things about Jesus. Then we could start talking about how he is perfectly loving, right? He is patient. He is joyful. He is tender-hearted, kind, forgiving. All these things that we have a really hard time with, right? Okay, this is the idea. Here, here's whiteboard number two. All of these things that Jesus has, those get transferred to your whiteboard. So it's not just that you've been pardoned, it's that you've been perfected. It's not just that Jesus wipes your slate clean. Your slate is full of the things of Jesus. This is the missionary God of the Bible. Okay, now, uh, Paul explains it in verse 19. 
He says this, this, this idea of Christ reconciling the world to himself. He says that, that, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not, and this is, this is the gospel, not counting their trespasses against them, because all of those trespasses were stacked onto Jesus. And then he explains it again in verse 21, the gospel in a single verse here. He says this, for our sake, he made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. So, so he got our whole blackboard. He got it. He, he got all of our sin. And then it goes on to say, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God and we get all of his perfection. So this, this is God, the missionary sending Jesus to accomplish the mission, but it doesn't stop there. Okay, we've got the Holy Spirit. So, so Jesus comes, lives an, a perfect life in place of your imperfect one, dies an undeserving death in place of your deserving death, spends three days in a tomb, is resurrected, and then he ascends to the Father. And from there, from heaven, God the Father and Jesus the Son, they send the Holy Spirit. So now we have got the Holy Spirit who applies this salvation that Jesus accomplished. The Holy Spirit is who breathes life into our heart, raising dead people to life. The Holy Spirit then seals a believer, lives inside them, empowering them for ministry and mission. This is a missionary God. You see this all throughout the pages of Scripture. Underneath every page, underneath every um, letter in the Bible is this idea of it's a missionary God. He is ascending God. He is a God with a mission, reconciling all things to himself. Okay, so let's reread 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 18 here. Paul says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So here's this missionary God. Now watch this next phrase. And gave us, this God who through Christ reconciled us, then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, Therefore, the conclusion, Therefore, knowing all that, here's what we would say, that we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So, okay, I want you to see how this works out. You've got a missionary God under all of the Bible. You see this God on mission. And this missionary God creates a missionary people. We, the church, we're a missionary people. You, if you're a Christian, you are a missionary. This is what Paul's saying. That this is what you are. It's not something you do. It's something you are. You are identity here. You are a missionary. This is you. This is not like a special elite class of Christians. This is you. You're a missionary. Okay, now, the first thing that really has to be done when you think about this whole idea of missionary is there's a lot of confusion that has to be cleared up. I grew up in a fairly traditional type of a setting in church, all that. And, and here's my, <coughs> here's my first memories of missionary. It was the guy they would bring in periodically. <clears throat> he dressed about three decades behind everybody else. You know that guy? This was him. He's just a little bit socially awkward. I, I'm not judging him. I'm just saying he's just a little bit socially awkward, a little bit awkward to have a conversation with him. And then he would bring out his slideshow. Right? And I'm not talking about like a PowerPoint slideshow. I'm talking about, the, I don't even know what you call these things. It's like the one that had a little film in it. You look up. Yeah, that's the right slide. Put it right there. That slideshow. So he breaks out his slideshow and he starts telling us about his missionary life. <clears throat> 
And so as he's kind of walking through this slideshow, inevitably, this guy lived in a grass hut somewhere, right? I mean, he had the dirt floor going. I mean, this was that guy, probably some wild animal in the background. This was that guy. So this was my impression of what a missionary was, right? So my impression was a, a missionary is someone who is over there, and a missionary is this this distinct group of us. So a missionary is this, it's not all of us, it's this, it's this group that, that goes there. It's this special group. This is what we're trying to absolutely dismantle and destroy here. That is not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is this. It has nothing to do with your location. It has everything to do with what you would view as your primary occupation and vocation in your life. I want to say this again. It has nothing, missionary, has nothing to do with where you are in the world, with where you're living. It has everything to do with what you're primarily living for. Okay, this is the issue. So location, it's not a go there thing. Missionary is here thing. Okay, now, now here's the second thing that I had to bust through is this special class of Christian thing. That it was like this special, it was like the gift and talented of Christians, right? It was like that group of people that had just a little bit more of this together. That is not right. When, when Paul says you are an ambassador, he is talking about identity. Okay, so he is talking about this is what you are. This isn't even something you do first. This is what you are first, right? There's a big difference in saying we do missions periodically, kind of fit it into our life when it fits. There's a big difference in saying that and that we are a missionary. See, when you're a missionary, here's what that means for you. Everything in your life is seen through the grid of God's mission. This is what a missionary is. A missionary is a person sent by God to live for the mission of God. So every part of their life is seen through this lens. They wear this lens that sees hobbies, that sees recreation, that sees their family, that sees everything through this mission, the central mission of the mission of God of reconciling all things to himself. This is a missionary. Okay, so now here's what we need to ask in here. Is this how you see your life? Do you see your life this way? And, and from experience, here, here's what I've seen in, in just buildings like this and, and places like this, is that people who walk in and out of church don't see their life as missionary. I'm on the mission of God. They see their life as we go to church on Sunday morning and then we live kind of for our own missions after that. Mission drift has happened with people in the church. The people of God are on mission drift. Here's what mission drift is. The central mission of God, this reconciling all things to himself, has been dethroned and pushed out of the center by a thousand competing missions. And so we've replanted this mission of God and we've said, no, family is central. No, comfort is central. No, building our business is central. No, and just fill in the blank here, a thousand competing missions. And listen, some of those are good. It's not that God is saying, don't do those. It's that God is saying, one, only one thing can be primary. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is done through this thing that's primary. So does your life, do you see with this sort of a lens, or do you see your life as, I am a missionary? Okay, now let me help just kind of walk through the, the details of this. Let's say today that God just spoke to you in a real profound way and said, you know what? We're moving your missionary status from here 
to England. I, I want you to go and be a missionary there, not here. I want you to go there. They've got a culture that needs it. I, I'm calling you there. Now think about your mindset and how your life would be structured at this point. Just the things that you would be thinking. Step number one. I, England's pretty big. I've got to figure, a lot of people, I've got to figure out who exactly it is that God is calling me to give my life to there. So I'm going to have to narrow this down to a people and a place somewhere. I, I'm going to have to be specific here and, and, and get a people. Okay, so God gives you a people. Then you're going to have to figure out how you're going to live, right? So you're going to ask questions like this. What sort of a house do I need and, and where do I need that house to be? See, the mission becomes central to all these other things. All these other things become ways of the mission. So now we're, we're viewing our house as a means of mission and ministry. It's not a means of your comfort and security. So, I mean, it's a whole different paradigm that we're looking through. So now we've got a people and we decide that this house in this area of the city is going to be the best means for ministry and mission. So now we, we get a job and we start working our job. Now imagine as, as you get your family maybe together for breakfast and you pray about your day. Imagine what your family would be praying for as y'all live sent, as y'all live as missionaries. Imagine what you'd be praying for. At the dinner table, you're probably going to be, or at the breakfast table, you're probably going to be praying for things like this. God, give us a sensitivity to the spirit today where you will lead us. We know you're going to lead us to people that, that need to be conversed with. That you're going to cross our paths with people. So give us these eyes that see people like that. Give us this heart that is sensitive to your spirit. You're going to be praying for opportunities. You're going to be praying for your neighbor. You're going to be praying for the people that you ride the train with to work. You're going to be praying with all of these things in mind, right? I mean, think about your life and how much different it would be lived in a, in a situation like that. If you're in England as a missionary and your neighbor leaves their trash can in their front yard after the trash man comes and picks it up. You are going to be thankful for that because now you've got this opportunity. You can go over to them, grab their trash can, take it to their front door, and maybe even get into a conversation with them. Maybe get to introduce yourself to them. Maybe get to listen to them, ask questions about them, hear their story. You're going to be thinking completely different. Now it's not a, it's not a nuisance that a trash can's out there. Now it's a gospel opportunity for you. Okay, do we see how life becomes different here? Okay, now I want to make this link for you. Whatever or however you are living and thinking about life right now that is not like that, that is the gospel gap here. This is what we're trying to close. The reason that you would live like that if we sent you to England tomorrow is because in your mind you're thinking, I am a missionary sent by God to live there. Here's the truth for all of us in the room. You are a missionary sent by God to live here right now. And the question is, are we doing that? Do we see this gospel identity of missionary? That God has made us an ambassador. That, that he has called us, you are the light of the world. That you are a witness. That, that we're a, do we see this gospel identity that we are a missionary? Sent by God to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to your family. Okay. Now, I want to point out just a couple of things in the passage that help us just kind of see some marks of missionaries. So we'll, we'll, let's jump back in at uh, verse 18. <clears throat> Paul says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now, I want just to kind of focus on the, the next part of this phrase. And gave us, you, me, 
the church, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, here, here's what that means. That missionaries are entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. Are we seeing this? I mean, it's, it's, the missionaries are entrusted with ministry. So, so I, I want to ask you this question. Do you see your life as living in full-time vocational ministry? Do you see that? I mean, is this the full-time job that you see that you're living with? Your, if you're a Christian, your primary job in life is not your nine to five. That is not your primary job. Your primary job is the mission of God. And you get to work your eight to five as a means to that mission. Do you see this as the full-time vocational job that God has called you to? That you are a minister of the gospel of reconciliation. See, there's this weird, there's this weird thing that has happened in churches where these are the paid professionals and these are the lay people. That is not a biblical distinction. That, that is not anywhere in the scriptures. The, the scriptures paint this really clear, that we are all called by God to be ministers of the gospel. Okay, now this is the idea in Ephesians chapter 4, that, that leaders in the church are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Okay, so we're all in this thing together. We all have been given by God, if you're a Christian, have been, been given by God a full-time job of gospel reconciliation. You're in the ministry. Maybe we could put it that way. You're full-time in the ministry, not part-time, not side-time, not when you, this is a full-time job for you. Okay, now, now think about just the wonder of this. Here's what this means for a lot of our lives in here. God routes his checks through a lot of different companies, right? So, so if you work at the school district here in town, that means that God is routing his check to sustain his missionary on his mission through the school. I mean, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I mean, to think about it, if you work for a company, they give you a computer. A lot of missionaries have to raise support for that. They just gave that to you, right? That is God giving you a computer for the sake of his mission. If they get you a phone, that phone has been given by God to, to, to enable the mission. It's just routed through a different place. See, this is the idea that we are all full-time ministers of the gospel. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself, primary identity, missionary, minister of the gospel? Is that you? Does your life scream this? Okay, next thing. Look at verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And then he says this. So he's already entrusted the ministry of reconciliation, and now he says this. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So missionaries are entrusted with the ministry, and they're entrusted with the, with the message. Okay, so th this is going to come from two different angles here that, that I, I want to just press on you with in this one. First of all, this means that we, missionaries, have to be good contenders for the gospel. That means that we have to know the gospel and can defend the gospel. So that we, like the church in Galatia, are not preaching a false one, right? So it means that we're contending for the gospel. That we know what the gospel is. That we know that. 
Okay, we're in a network of church planters that all have gospel centrality at the center of it. And so when we plant people, we, we have a thorough assessment process that we go to, go through. And here's one of the questions we'll ask every potential church planter. What is the gospel? Like, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe how I feel when I hear their response typically. Like, it's this mix of like being scared and horrified all at the same time, right? That these are, these are the people trying to lead out in this. And there's, there's this shallow understanding of what the gospel is. There's this gospel in like two of the ten parts type things going on. And I, I'm just amazed at how shallow of an understanding that people have about the gospel. This is life and death for us. And this is why we always say the most important thing for you to know in life is the gospel. The most important thing for you to remember daily in life is the gospel. I mean, th- this is life, death. This is everything about life right here. We need to know this. So do we know the gospel? Who is Jesus? He is fully God. He is fully man. He is the Messiah sent by God to accomplish the mission. What did Jesus do? He lived a perfect life in place of our imperfect life. He died an undeserving death in place of our deserving death, right? He was buried. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. The Father and the Son sent the Spirit to live in and dwell and empower people. What must we do? We've got to repent and believe. We've got to trust and treasure Jesus above all things. And what does that accomplish for us? It forgives us. It pardons and perfects us. We are adopted into the family of God. The Holy Spirit seals us and indwells us and empowers us. And we are commissioned as a missionary on the mission of God. This is the God. And it just worries me that, that... So many people live without a good understanding of all that God has done for them. We live so far below our privileges in the gospel. Okay, so we've got to contend for it. We've got to know the gospel. Do you know it? And listen, we try to give you, bomb you with resources. You can go on our website and we've got a whole category under the recommended reading of just gospel awareness resources. Good things for you to chop through and read through that would help you in this. Our resource table out here, it's meant for this primarily. To, to equip you in this. Okay, so contending for the gospel. And then here's, here's the next thing. If we're going to be, if we're entrusted with this message, here's what this means. That we have to learn how to contextualize the gospel. That we take a good pure gospel and then we start to speak it in the language of the people around us. You start to speak it in the language of your neighbors. You start to speak it in the language of your coworkers. See, our problem is we don't speak the gospel in our culture's language a lot of times. We're answering questions that your neighbor isn't asking. So we've got to learn how to apply the gospel, how to speak the gospel, so your neighbor gets their questions answered with the gospel. Okay, so let me just kind of walk you through. We're going to spend next week on this. We're going to talk about a missionary's lips. But let me just prime the pump in saying a couple different things on this. You can have either a narrow or a very broad view of the gospel. Let me try to explain these two. Here's what a narrow view of the gospel is. A narrow view of the gospel sees it as it is the solution to our sin problem. So, so we need to be reconciled to God. We have sinned against God. Jesus comes, live a perfect life for us, died an undeserving death for us, so that when we believe in God, we are reconciled to God. Like we are, we, we are made right with God. 
We're no longer going to spend eternity away from God. We're with, we're with God now. Okay, that's, that's narrow view. That is the heart of the gospel, by the way. That, that, I mean, this is the central message. But the gospel is also wider than that. This is the broad view of the gospel that sees the gospel centering on that, but that the gospel also, now listen to this phrase, renews every area of our lives. So the gospel doesn't just deal with our past penalty of sin. It doesn't just solve the penalty of sin issue. It solves the current reality of the power of sin in our life. This broad view of the gospel says the gospel, it pays for our sin. But it also starts to renew and restore all that's been broken. Okay, now I want to I just walk you through one scenario of how this plays out. Imagine you going to work tomorrow and you having a coworker there that does not know Jesus, right? And this person um, comes to work tomorrow and y'all go out to lunch. And over lunch, um, you look at him and say, hey, uh, here's the gospel. Apart from Jesus, God's wrath is aimed at you. This is a problem. You need Jesus. Trust and treasure him. Then, Then we're good. Not, will you pass the ketchup, right? I mean, how do you even have that conversation? I mean, that, that's not a question that he's asking. Your, your coworker probably didn't come to work and probably didn't go to lunch with you tomorrow and think, I, I was just wondering if you'd, if you'd show me what the sin problem is and how this worked. Draw me the little cross on the page. Probably not, that's not the question that they're asking. Okay, now this is the thing. We, now if they do ask that question, answer it. Great, with that gospel. Okay, but, but think about this. this. You can also view the gospel through this broad lens and it gives you a thousand doors to walk into this guy's life with the gospel along with you. Okay, now think about this same scenario. This coworker tomorrow comes to work and the dude is, he is, he is upset at his wife. I mean, he, he is legitimately hacked off at his wife, right? So, so you just start asking questions. You're trying to figure out what the deal is. I mean, the, 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 you know, his wife didn't cook him breakfast that morning. He ate a Pop-Tart on the way to work. He is mad about this. So you're asking questions. You're just trying to figure out what, what is it that this guy's problem really is. And you start to realize that this guy's probably not a perfect husband. He's probably really imperfect and probably a really bad husband. But he expects his wife to be perfect. He is looking to his wife to meet every one of his needs. And so now all of a sudden we see that the gospel meets this. The gospel applies here. The gospel is the answer here. The gospel renews this situation. And now rather than saying, hey, let me draw this little cross. You, just, you were falling off this ledge. Here's the cross. This is, rather than doing that, here's what you get to say. You know what? There was a time that in my marriage we were really struggling. And here's why. I was looking to my wife to satisfy every longing of my heart. I mean, I wanted her to be the, the model homemaker, the, the model, the model, right? The, the, the money maker. I wanted her to be all of that. And you know what? I, 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 really, I was treating her like she was the savior. I treated her like she was, like she was my functional guy. Like I was looking her at her to, to give me every need in my heart. And I had this profound moment of realizing that she couldn't do that. That when I was trying to look at her for that, I was crushing her and it was crushing me. And at this moment, God showed me that he's that. He's my savior. She's not my savior. He he is the one that satisfies the deepest longing of my heart to where now I can take a step back and look at my imperfect wife that is not perfect, right? That is not any of those things. It's going to mess 
that is not going to meet a lot of my needs. I can take a step back and realize she doesn't have to meet all my needs. I mean, God, God has met all of them. He has satisfied every one of those longings. And, and when I moved from her being the Savior to him being the Savior, I could take a step back and then love her even in the midst of her imperfections. You see, now we can speak the gospel in the, in the, to answer the questions they, they're asking. We're speaking the gospel in the context of, of the culture that we live in, in the workplace that you're in, in your neighborhood. This, when you see the gospel is renewing all things, it gives you all of these avenues, all of these doors to bring the gospel in with you. Okay, now look at verse uh, 20 there. This is why this is so important that we can contextualize. Paul says this, that it is as if we are imploring you on behalf of Christ. That we are speaking, we are imploring, we are pleading with you on behalf of Christ. So I would say it's probably pretty important that we can contextualize, that we can plead in, a, in an appropriate way, in a culturally relevant way to the people that we find ourselves in the middle of, right? Okay, so now I want to take a, a, a quick, just couple of minutes here to just watch how and to kind of describe how this intersects with the life of Stonegate Church. And if you're one of the Stonegate family, you need to know this about our church and about just the way we're trying to make a difference in our community. Every church has to define how it is that they're going to try to reach people. Every church has to. Now, some churches don't define that. They just, they just live that way. They just imply it with how they do things. But every church has a way they're trying to reach their community. Okay, I'll just give you a couple of these ways. It could be things like programs, that we're going to build the best and the biggest programs that we can possibly imagine, right? We're, we're going to have these huge events and, and these programs, these ministries that we have going and these events that we do, we're going to depend on them to draw people, attract people toward us. Okay, so you've got the program route. Then you've got the facilities route. We're going to build the biggest and the best facility that we can possibly imagine. I mean, people are going to drive by this thing and just ask the question, why am I not going to that church, Right? I mean, we're just going to build that building, right? So we're going to use buildings as our primary strategy. Another is location, that we're going to do all the traffic counts. We're going to figure out that location that has the most drive-by, and surely, just percentage-wise, we're going to get a couple of those people, right? So this is going to be our primary means to, to reach our community. Some, it's the latest evangelism tool. So we're, you know, I mean, it was the EE thing there for a while. We'll share Jesus without fear. We'll get the Evangel Cube and we'll get that working, right? Um, I mean, we'll just find the next next best thing to do. We'll, maybe it'll be the hot air balloons dropping, tr- uh, you know, dropping tracks off at your neighborhood. I mean, we'll just find a way, the next and latest thing to go with as far as a tool. Okay, or, now, and let me, by the way, we'll just describe all of these as attractional in their approach. All of these have this idea of we're going to do something that will attract you to us, that will bring you to us. And I don't want to build a false dichotomy here. We're not saying that all of these are bad. Some of these can actually be good. But here's what we're saying. We are not primarily attractional. We are not primarily, we cannot be primarily a come and see place. We cannot depend on our flyers, our what a, we, we cannot depend on this come and see mentality. This is our primary strategy. Our primary strategy is the people of God living on the mission of God. This is it. Okay, so, so this, this is our strategy. It's that section. We are primarily missional, secondarily, and, and somewhere way down here, secondarily attractional. 
that, that our goal is to release the people of God on the mission of God in our community. That this is the plan. This is plan A and there is no plan B, right? Because this is God's plan A. To, to unleash you in your neighborhood, at your workplace. This is, this is the approach. This, this is how we're going to go about reaching people. And, and by the way, I got, and I just, I, I hope this realization somewhere sits in our place at some point. That if next week, if we had a thousand people added to us out of this area, our community would not be changed if a thousand more people show up here on Sunday morning. It's not going to change our area and our city. Do you know what will change our area? If we've got thousands of Christians, the people of God, living on the mission of God, wherever they are. That's what changes an area. That's what changes a city. And until we're doing that, all we're going to do is come in here, be encouraged a little bit, listen to some decent music, a subpar sermon, and then go and do our thing, right? Okay, we, we don't want to be that. We want to be an agent of change in our area in our city the only way for that to happen is for the people of god to live on the mission of god okay now we describe this this life as missional living okay it just takes the mission of god turns it into an adjective as just a way to describe our life that in our life we want to adopt the posture the thinking the behaviors of a missionary because that is what we are i mean th- this is how we want to live because this is who we are inside okay Couple more, we'll be done. Next one. Missionaries are formed by the gospel. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. 5.17, see that? This is a, I mean, this is a big verse. If you've been around church for a long time, you've probably seen this one on a coffee cup somewhere, right? That, that this idea of God making us new creations. That in Christ, God has made you something new. The old you is gone. The new you is there. Now we get this continual process of living in and figuring out and becoming like in our life what God has made us internally. That there has been this fundamental change that has happened to you. Okay, now we talk about conversion and this new creation in three different, in three different um, kind of types or three different conversions, three different changes that God makes in a person. First one is he converts us to God. That when we're saved, God converts us to the head, to the head. So he converts us to Jesus, to God. And so we love God. We pursue God. We want God. We have an appetite for God. We desire the things of God. Okay, so this is conversion number one, to God. We're also converted to the body. We're created to the pe- or converted to the people of God. Where now we start to live with a people. So it's not just the head, but now we have the body. When God saves you, he plants you in a body of people to live with and to live through. Okay, then the third piece of that is God converts you to the mission. So he converts you to the head, the body, and then the hands and feet, where you actively get engaged in the mission of God. Now here's what our churches are full of all across this area of the country. We're full of one-third Christians. People who have, have been converted in one of the three senses. We've got the Jesus thing, the head, but we are not in the people of God. We come here, but we never interact. Our lives don't intersect with the people that God has called us to live with. So we'll come here and never get in a home group. We'll never open up our life to people for them to get to know us, for them to get to, and for us to get to know them, where we can apply the gospel to one another. 
I mean, it's like an epidemic in, in our part of the country. The people come to church without ever being a part of the people of God there. And then we, we are not on the mission of God. That we come to church and view that as the thing that we do for God. You are a missionary who does everything for God. You're a missionary who lives on the mission of God. When you wake up tomorrow, when you go to work, everything you do is through this lens. So the gospel forms this in us. This is where the gospel takes us, where the gospel moves us. So I don't have to stand up here with guilt and fear. I can stand up here and do this. This is one of my privileges of being able to preach. I can stand up here week in, week out and say, here's the gospel. And then watch as that is rooted in your heart, watch it propel you to mission. Okay, then it's not only the gospel fuel, or forms us, but the gospel fuels us. Look at uh, verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. See, this is the beautiful thing, is the gospel becomes this motivator. The gospel becomes the means for the mission. The gospel becomes this, this motivator and this propeller that moves the mission forward in your life. So I I want you just to keep seeing this connection. The gospel forms and fuels missionaries. So if if you're not living on mission today, if you do not view your life as a missionary on the mission of God, if missional living does not describe your life, here's the reason that it doesn't. Is there is a, there is a disconnect between the gospel and mission. And here's the solution to the problem. We need to drill the gospel deeper into you. That's the answer to the mission problem. The answer is not for me to get up here and say, I mean, do you know how many people are going to hell in your neighborhood? That's not the, the the issue is to say, here's the gospel. Let this have its full effect on you. Learn what it is. Learn how it applies. Live in this thing. Believe it. And then watch it move you and fuel you and move the mission forward in you. Okay, last one and we're done. Missionaries are broken for those without God. And I think you see this kind of throughout the passage where in verse 11, Paul's going to say, I persuade you. I I persuade. In verse 13, he's going to say, I know I look like an idiot sometime, but that is all for the mission of God. It's for the mission of God that I do that. In verse 16, he says, from now on, I regard no one according to the flesh. Now think about this. That he regards no one according to the flesh. So here's what he's saying. That his neighbors, that the people he runs with, he views them as they stand in relationship to God. So, so your neighbor that's a jerk, right? So do you view them as the neighbor that's a jerk? Or do you view them as they stand before God? See, when we start to have eyes that see people through this lens of how they stand before God, it starts to break our heart for them, not be, um, not be kind of bothered by them. You see the difference in that? That we start to develop a broken heart for them as opposed to looking at them and, and how much they bother us by being a jerk, right? And so if you want to be a good missionary, We've got to have broken hearts for people. We've got to allow the gospel to work into us to such a degree that we start to see people with spiritual eyes and we start to see that they they may be rich here, but they are in poverty. They are bankrupt before God. And this is why this question of, do you pray for people who don't know Jesus is so important? Because I think it just kind of gets to the heart of, we don't see people as God sees them. 
We aren't brokenhearted for them as God is brokenhearted for them. And, and so one of the things that I pray for you personally, us as a family, is that God would break our heart for our city. That, that God would give you a broken heart for your neighbors. That God would give you a broken heart for the people in your workplace. That your heart would be broken. That you could cry for them. That you would, you would plead with God on their behalf. Like I love what he says in verse 20, that, that you would implore them. I mean, it's this idea that you are brokenhearted enough to beg them, to plead with them. Now, I pray that for us. That the gospel would work the, these sort of things in us. Let me give you two implications and then we'll wrap up. <clears throat> Implication number one. And I, I just want to draw two, two just descriptions from a missionary life here. Like if you're, if you're wanting to live on mission, some, some starting points for you. Starting point number one. Get to know people who don't know Jesus. I mean, let, let's just start there. Get to know people who don't know Jesus. You don't have to think big. Don't think in, in terms of hundreds. Think in terms of one family, two families. And just invite them into your life. I, would y'all all agree that a missionary probably would know their neighbor's name? That would be something that a missionary would probably know. I mean, would we agree that a missionary would probably know the stories of their neighbor? I mean, can we agree with that? That a, a missionary that's living on the mission of God, placed by God in that neighborhood for the gospel's sake, would probably know those things then a missionary would probably be actively inviting people into their home, showing hospitality as they ask questions, as they get to know. So, I mean, so what, what if we just started that? That once a month, we invite somebody that doesn't know Jesus into our home. We invite them into our life where we can get to know them. They can get to know us. They know our people. We know their people. Where we know them. Step one, we've got to know people. We've got to get in the trenches of the mission of God. In the trenches is in your neighbor's home. It's having your neighbor in your home. Okay, so we, we have to get to know people who don't know Jesus. Now, for some of us, that's going to take intentional hard work for us. And that's okay. A missionary is willing to go hard work, right? It's going to require that for us to position our life in such a way that we are serving and loving people who don't know Jesus around us. That we're inviting them into our life. Number two. So number one is get to know. Number two is just to start praying for people who don't know Jesus. I mean, wouldn't you agree that a missionary would do that? I mean, this is, if we are a missionary, that these sort of things would start to bubble out of our life, that we would have a broken heart for people to the degree that we would plead with God on their behalf. Don't think in terms of thousands. How about one or two? That you're going to start praying for regularly, consistently, passionately, fervently, urgently, pleading with God to save them. See, this is the joy of all this, is all this is from God, 518. So he's got the burden of the mission, the saving part. We get the joy of the mission, right? We get to be the agents of change that he uses for that. So I'll end by saying this. I just want to have an official at the end of, of this sermon, you're a missionary, that, this whole thing. I just want to have just three sentences here to commission you. So that you, I, I want you to know this is how we view you. We view you as ministers of the gospel, as commissioned by God. So Stonegate family, 
If you have been saved by the work of Jesus and empowered by the Spirit of Jesus on the mission of God, if this is you, if you've been saved, this is who you are, you're a missionary, and we want to commission you. You are sheeps among wolves here. We commission you to go, to be a part of this agent of, of ministry of reconciliation, to be an agent of change in our community for the glory of God, for the good of our city, and for your own joy. You're a missionary. Let's pray. So does this describe you? We'll just ask a couple of questions as we kind of wrap it up here. Does this describe you? Are you living in this gospel identity of missionary? Daddies, if we, if we got your kids up and said, what's, what's our family about? Like, what's your, what's your family, what's your family there for? Why, why are you in your neighborhood? I mean, do your kids see that we're there because God has placed us there on the mission of God? Do they have this sense of that? Do they see this? Daddies, are you on the mission? Have competing missions dethroned this central mission of God for you? Mamas, has this happened to you? Has mission drift settled in? Our college students, our singles, there is no better time to leverage your life for the mission of God than when you're single. Are you, are you doing that? Are you leveraging all of your time, all of your freedoms right now for the mission of God? I know that we need great help from God here, that we need great grace. And I just want you to know that I pray for you that God would take you there. I think it would rescue the mundane and monotonous parts of all of our lives if we'll start to live in this, if we'll start to see that those monotonous moments are God's moments. The monotonous moments with your neighbors, with your, with your co these are God's moments. These are missionary moments. I pray that, that we'll have this sort of a view of the world, this sort of a lens over our eyes. So God, will you help us? God, I pray um, where repentance in this room this morning needs to occur, where mission drift has happened, that it would be acknowledged, that it would be confessed, and it would be forsaken. That we would actively reinsert you in the middle, your mission in the middle of our life. God, will you, by your Holy Spirit's power, enable us to live as a missionary? God, will you give us creative ideas to know our neighbors, to love our neighbors, to serve our neighbors? God, will you break our heart for people so that they're not projects to us, but they're people who are standing in relationship to you? God, I pray that. God, help us. Help us. It's in your good name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.